Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is high. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. Watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at-bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. From the WEEI Studios, 93.7, WEEI-FM and HD1, Lawrence, Boston. We're always live on the free Odyssey app. Did you ever feel it went over a line? Like, Bill, give him a break. Yeah, of course. I mean, Tom Brady was in his 15th year, had three Super Bowls, four Super Bowls, countless Super Bowls. And, you know, he, he would get on them, but, you know, like, he didn't change. That's what he was doing every year. Uh, you know, I think looking back on it, Bill could have probably handled it a little differently. Uh, but I think Bill thought he was doing the right thing. Uh, and also, you know, like, everyone on that team knew Tom Brady played better pissed off. So I don't know if it was some Master Jedi mind tricks that Bill's doing either. Like, I, I honestly don't. Julian Edelman on with the Chuckle Hut there, Colin Cowherd. I, I agree with Edelman. I'm surprised he went there, but I agree with him. It's like, oh, wow. Brady's mad and he plays better. Ooh, what a genius. How brilliant is Bill? I kind of agree with Edelman on that. Arkan, I know you liked one part of uh, the Dynasty. Episodes 1 and 2 came out late last night. I watched them this morning. Mego's seen them. Arkan's seen them. Maybe a lot of you have seen them. You can jump in at 617-779-7937. You can vote. Add Jones and Mego, uh, who deserves the most credit for the beginning of the Patriots Dynasty, which was covered uh, pretty thoroughly in the first two episodes. And there's still more to go. 42% of you say Brady. 40% say Bill. 11 say Robert. Way too high. And only 7 say Vinatieri. Vote there. Or weigh in. Again, it's 617-779-7937. You liked uh, the part when him and his former roommate there, the Nuge, yeah. David Nugent, was that his name? I believe it was, We're yeah. talking about Tech Mobile. Yes. Which, of course, of course he did. Of he course liked, I He did. likes the 80s Celtics. He likes 80s video games. So, like, of course he liked the Tech Mobile. Part. And I also had a lot of tantrums when I lost in, in Tech Mobile, just like Tom Brady. I never learned the trick to if you stomp on the ground, you could reset the game. He is Wish just like I Brady. knew that at the time. Isn't he just like Brady? Pretty much in every way, but especially in Tech Mobile rage, uh, Tom Brady and I share a brain, I think. He did not want to lose. And he found out that if you stomp on the floor hard enough, it would restart the system. I wish I knew that. So if he knew he was about to lose, he wouldn't accept that, and he would just stomp on the floor, start the game over. This happened over and over again. We had dents in our wall from him just taking the controller and just launching it as hard as he could into the wall. It, he was just like a crazy man. What's the worst thing you ever did with a video game, Arkin? Like the worst outburst you ever had? Um, 
I definitely broke a Nintendo once. The like whole, the I system or I ripped, control? I ripped the system out of the out of the thing and just slammed it on the ground and it broke. And uh, I was not given another one <laughs> for years. Wow. You should not have been. That's I was, a very no, bratty it was, move. It, I was very upset. I was probably over Tecmo Bowl. It was either Tecmo Bowl or Punch-Out. I, Those two games used to drive me insane. I hugged a controller yep. at the wall, made a, de- made a dent in the wall, like a divot in the wall, like where it was like an actual, like, broke through the whatever. The drywall. Thank you. Yeah. And I, Mr. Fix-It over here. <laughs> I broke through the drywall. And what I did, they were white walls. What I did, because I'm like, wow, I'm going to get in a lot of crap for this. I was 9 or 10. I took a little piece of paper, and I taped it spackled. over. <laughs> Not spackled. Paper and tape. Wow. And when we go to uh, move out of this house, we sell this house, my dad's like, what's what's going on on the wall over here? I'm like, ooh, yeah, like two years ago, <laughs> I taped over that. And I hucked a Sega controller or PlayStation or whatever it was, probably Sega, right right through the wall. Which honestly pretty pretty powerful by me. Yeah. I had a I had a roommate in college, Madden, shattered a window, remote through through a win through a window. So I've seen I've seen real rage with video games. My friend broke a TV in the middle of a Halo game. Yeah, I believe it. I yeah. don't know why I don't know why video games bring out so much anger, but they do. They do. I've never gotten that angry over a video game. I will say I was a pretty ragey kid. <laughs> I had a really bad no. I had a really bad temper and what no. I used to do was I would stomp all the way up the stairs, open my bedroom door, open every drawer in my bedroom, one by one slam every drawer in my bedroom and then slam my door five times. I'm mad. And I would just try to make the house shake. Now, why the five? Well, was that OCD. Yeah, that's, yeah. Just, that's literally what I was going to ask. Was it five because it was like an well, OCD usually thing? That's how it's far like Charlie's mom I'm estimating. The usually that's how far I could get it before my dad Somebody. came in and just burst in and was came like, what the it. hell is wrong with you? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so Brady, Brady, very. Com- if you don't know, Brady's very competitive. He gets angry in Tech Mobile, just like me. He I didn't ch- like losing. I didn't like losing in Tech Mobile. Me I didn't either. like losing in darts. I didn't like losing. Period. I still don't like losing. If I'm gonna play, I'm gonna play to win. Okay. Play for keeps. Arcan's just like Brady. Yep. Didn't you love Bledsoe? At least did not let this slide. But the the I I think it was the director Matt Hamachek. I believe the director at one point, Bledsoe's like talking about, oh yeah, because I'm like I'm like yelling at my TV when I saw this. Bledsoe's like, yeah, I tended to be the best when things were breaking down and you know like under pressure, and I'm like bullcrap, you're so full of it. I'm like, what are you talking about? And the director comes in and he goes, oh yeah, I've heard other athletes say that, you know, like Tiger and Jordan, and I'm like Tiger and Jordan, yeah. and like before I can even get get it out. Drew's like, oh, yeah, it's me and Tiger and Jordan. People say that all the time. He said, like, something like that. And I'm like, okay, yeah, good for fine. you, Drew, that you're self-aware enough to not let that slide. I Tiger, thought that was Jordan, a good moment. Drew. Like, Drew. He, yeah, it yeah. made him very self-aware of, oh, yeah, this is what this documentary is about. I'm Tiger <laughs> and I'm Jordan, please. Like, I was so mad. And then at least he was self-aware enough to correct it. Uh, 617-779-7937. Let's get to some phone calls here. Uh, jo- is this a real call? Joseph is in Brighton. Go ahead, Joseph. Yes, hi. Uh, you have a great show, so I appreciate listening to it. I want to put in a vote for somebody who will surprise you, and that is the punter of the Patriots that year. Who was it they that year? Do you remember Ken finished. Walter? Did you, no, I wasn't asking you, Art. Oh. I wanted to see if the caller knew. Oh, sorry. I thought you were just no, asking No, I thought his name was Smith, to tell you the truth. But whoever well, it was so kept putting the... This is my point. He's, it, I, want, I wanted to know how serious... I mean, it sounds like he was serious. Yeah. But I, wa- I was just curious if he knew the name. It was Ken Walter. I, b- I believe Arkan's right. Can we fact check him? He says it's somebody different. I think it was Walter, Ken Walter. I know held the held the ball when the. I don't know if he was the punt of the whole year, but I think he was. Ken Walter was it? Was it Lee Smith? They did have a Smith at one point, 
They had a uh, Lee Johnson. Lee Johnson, thank you. Played in five games. Walter played in eleven. Okay, so, so all go. right, there you go. MVP. Uh, Adam it wasn't to the Smith. We should have added a write in. Uh, Adam to the poll, according to the last caller. Uh, John is in New Bedford. Go ahead, John. Hey, I think that Jalen Brown in the slam dunk contest should do a D Brown homage, cover his eyes with his arms, and do like a three sixty dunk, maybe even a reverse. Ooh, uh, a cover your eyes three sixty. Yeah. Wear the pumps. You got to wear the pumps if you're going to do that. You don't believe that D Brown couldn't see, right? You don't believe that. Of right? course he could. Okay, Same good. with Cedric Savalos when he did that. They tore. He tied a stocking around his eyes, and he could clearly see through did it. Did Gerald Green do an homage to D Brown? I feel like he did. Mm. Didn't I don't he, remember. Did that. he do the pump ups? He did at least like the pump. Somebody did an homage to D Brown. I think Gerald Green pumped up. Maybe he didn't do the the cover your eyes dunk, which I did think was very cool as a kid. And in retrospect, I'm like, he, he saw the whole time. That's not cool. He saw. Gerald Green did the cupcake. He that was Gerald Green. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Now he that did the cupcake, he did the dunk with no shoes. That was cool. I don't remember that. The cupcake dunk was was kind of cool. I have the best idea still. Harold's purple crayon. <laughs> You're gonna be reading it, putting deuce to Betty Bye, and then boom. I like. I do like putting deuce to bed. Is uh, that that would be? <laughs> I, w- I w- it would be a fifty dunk for me if he put deuce to bed. He's like, hey, deuce, it's past your bedtime. Could you could you go to bed, please? Uh, and Deuce has to lay down. Otherwise, if he pops up, he gets kicked in the head by Jalen. <laughs> it's like Baron Davis in the Kia. <laughs> Same kind of thing there. Uh, who was the guy in the Knicks that had like an envelope in the hoop? And he Ooh. tried, he dunked it, and then he couldn't open the envelope. It was like the worst one ever. I don't that was remember. one of the worst dunks in the history of the dunk. I don't contest. remember. I think that was last year. Oh, and then it was like, recent? And then in like the envelope. Was it Obi Toppin? It was Obi Toppin. It was not to be confused with Jacob Toppin. It was Obi Toppin? Yeah, that was that was the worst one ever, I think. Uh, let's go to our buddy John in the car with a, a very vicious accusation. Go ahead, John. Yeah, first of all, I was surprised. I thought Zeke, our guy Zeke was uh, in the dunk contest there for a second. Um, <laughs> yeah, Mr. Jones, you know, you're like, I heard uh, there's a report out there that Brad, Brad Stevens, your new buddy, sent you uh, a birthday present yesterday. Like, People are saying that. This week. Yes. Uh, yeah. Because, you, yeah, people are saying, I'm, and I'm reporting it now because I've heard it from reputable sources. Like, you were so positive this week. You're a green teamer. You, you bought in until I heard you today, and you're like, oh, this documentary is terrible. But, like, you're, you went full-time green why? teamer. Because I, I, I have Tatum. Birthday. Wait, but why? Because I have Tatum winning you, the MVP, and they should win the championship, and Jalen winning the dunk contest? You have been super positive all week about the Celtics. Like, everything. Oh, they're so great. Oh, they're this, they're this, this. Like, I'm like. What are you talking about? Like, I have just a gas this week. You're just so positive. So what? It's crazy. Should like, they not? Should they the not way, win happy, the title? Happy Friday, Mego. Thank happy you. Happy Friday, Mego. No problem. Uh, by the way, there, but can I one comment? By the way, professor of sport, you don't know the difference between an aerobic heartbeat and an anaerobic heartbeat. Who was that question to? To Mego? That's to Mego. Wait, anaerobic? Yeah, you're talking about lifting? What? No, heart rate. Heart rate. Anaerobic versus aerobic. You've never heard those two heart rates? And you're a professor of sport? Like, that's ridiculous. Well, I was a professor in lacrosse. To be fair. Yeah, I know. Just still on. Yeah, I guess to be fair. Sorry. What's your question? I I needed some therapy. No, I'm just, like, concerned. Like, did Brad Brad buy you out? Like, did he send you a gift yesterday? It's a good point. Really? Because you've been... You are a green team. No, no. What, I, what I'm trying to do, John, is I'm, try, I'm trying to get the gift is what I'm trying to do. I, I didn't get a gift, so I'm trying to get that. I Look, I've been saying all year they should Up win the yours. championship. yours! <laughs> <laughs> Screw you, Jones. Man, you Wilkers. So I uh, I think, yeah, that's me and that's a... Uh, is it Tyler from Scores? That's Tyler yes, from that's Scores, Tyler. right? In my Marcus Smart attire. Two Marcus Smart super fans. 
<laughs> it is. Uh, yeah, no, I didn't get a gift, which is why I'm 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 uh, shilling so much for the Celtics. We got to uh, go back down there. We got to go see Tyler. Yeah, they yeah. should win the championship, and we're gonna bring Scal because he owes us. It's true. That is true. They should win the championship. Tatum winning the MVP might be me going out on a limb the most. And Jalen should win the – like, two of those definitely should happen. The, the Tatum one we can debate. 617-779-7937. Uh, we've been talking a lot about the Dynasty today. Jeff Benedict, author and executive producer of the Dynasty, standing by. We're going to get to him right after Trending with Christian Arkin. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. We're right back to it. Jones and Mako on WEEI. WEEI. I had no hesitancy in saying, he is going, I'm going to sit there and I'm going to ask him the exact same questions that I've asked every other person that sits mm-hmm. down in that chair and answers the difference is, in some cases, Bill didn't want to answer those questions, which is why you hear me asking it. When other people just answer the question, their answer just goes in, right? So that's what it was like. It was just, hey, you know, I, I really respect this guy, and and I'm gonna I'm gonna ask him the questions that need to get asked. That is Matt Hamacek, the director of the Dynasty. First two episodes dropped late last night. I watched them early this morning, as did Mego and Arkan. Uh, they're up on Apple TV. They're worth checking out. And we're joined now by Jeff Benedict, the author and executive producer of The Dynasty. If you're watching on uh, Twitch.tv, Zeke, if you could, uh, I got a copy. We got nice copies of The Dynasty here from Jeff. Thanks for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for having me in the studio. So we were talking a little bit in the last or, you know, the break we're just coming out of here. And we were discussing uh, a variety of things, including kind of how this project came about. It started as a book. It's evolved into now a 10-part series that I think a lot of fans, if they haven't already seen the first few episodes, will be catching up on soon and binging soon. Uh, How did the whole project kind of start? What was your impetus for beginning this? Because you followed around other great sports figures, Tiger Woods among them. And so why the Patriots? Why this dynasty? Well, I, I'd been watching the <clears throat> the Patriots dynasty evolve over years. And eventually after the team lost to the Eagles in the Super Bowl at the start of 18, <clears throat> that's when I reached out to the team. And specifically, that's when I wrote to, to Robert Kraft and introduced myself as a stranger. Um, stranger to him, but stranger to the team. Like Stacey James didn't know who I was. I had no connection here. Um, and eventually, uh, you know, Robert wrote me back. I laid out in a letter pretty clearly what I wanted to do and how I wanted to go about it. 
And um, eventually, six months later, I was up here and started meeting people. And um, this was Tom's second to last season. So this is, I came in as the Patriots were starting the season that would lead to the Super Bowl against the Rams. So coming off of Malcolm Butler. Yes, that's when I entered the picture. And and so I was kind of embedded with the organization for Tom's last two seasons. And I finished writing the book. Um, the last scene I wrote was when Tom went to Robert's house to tell him he was leaving. In the middle of that process, two years of working on the book, about halfway through, I decided, like in my mind, I could see this as a docuseries. I could see it as a movie. And uh, frankly, I could see it as a Broadway production. I mean, it had all the elements for all three. And so um, I was thinking about that as I started to put pen to paper and write it. And I I let the team know uh, early on that I was interested in the prospect of trying to turn it into a docuseries. And I went into overdrive to, to try to have that happen as soon as I finished writing, which was right when Tom left. So that's March 2020, which is why it's easy for me to date it. And um, and I turned my attention to that pretty right away because there's a there's like a six month gap between when I finished writing and when the book went on sale in September, and in that window, that's what I started working on. And one of the things I did very early was I sent an early copy of the book to Matt Hamachek, who would end up becoming the director, because he directed um, the transformation of my Tiger Woods book into a documentary for HBO. We worked together on that, so. I knew his, I, I'm sorry to jump in, but where was he at the time? Was he kind of so is, all all is he independent? He's yeah, not, he's the, not, all okay. those guys are. All those guys are, and so I, I was thinking he would be great for this project because I I had worked with him on Tiger, and I knew he had a really different take on storytelling, and so that was one part of it was is finding the right director, a partner to work with, a good storyteller, someone that I thought would fit in in Foxborough. Because there's a lot of great filmmakers out there, but it doesn't mean they're going to fit into this environment and be able to navigate like Matt could. And then being able to get uh, Imagine to come aboard as a production partner and Apple TV Plus as a streamer. And I made a decision that I, I didn't want to be hands off and just turn this over to someone. Um, I Look, I'm pretty candid about this. Like I, I put my heart and soul into the story. This means more to me. I've written 17 books and this one's different because it's more personal to me. It's, I mean, it's my home. This is New England. It's, it's not a story that happened on the other side of the country. It happened right here. And I, I put more into this. And um, I, that, there's a reason that when I wrote the last scene of the book, which is Tom going to the house to say goodbye, I mean, I, you know, it, that was hard for me to write. You know, th- forget objectivity. I'm not into that as a writer. I, I'm into the emotion of it trying to, you know, I want people to feel it in their heart. I, I want it to hurt because it hurt me. And so when I wrote that last scene, I wrote that in one weekend in my office in New London, and I listened to Abbey Road the whole time I was writing it. And it was, I needed to feel that when I was writing it because when New England fans read it, it needs to like, it needs to crush you because that's what it was like. And... um I didn't want to just then walk away and say, okay, someone else go make the docuseries. No, I wanted to make it with them. So it's interesting just hearing you and, and watching you and just, you know, candidly, you, you're, we can feel the emotion now, right? Like I can see it on your face. You're not a Patriots fan. 
<laughs> and so it's yeah, like, but- I get like I get being a little, emo- like I saw Brian Cox knocking people's heads off and I got emotional. Yeah. But that's as a Patriots fan, like yeah. I get that. Like you're getting emotional now yeah. as a non-Patriots fan. So why? Well, I grew up a Dolphins fan here in New England just because uh, when I was a little kid, the first time I was old enough to watch football on television, Miami went undefeated. And a lot of my friends, we became Miami fans because we loved their uniforms and because they were the best team. And so I went to Foxborough once a year to watch the Patriots and the Dolphins and with strict rules to keep my mouth shut because our <laughs> parents said, we don't want to get in trouble here. Just watch the games. Yeah, Don't, but, don't talk and don't flush the toilets in there because they don't work. Yeah, That's right. But, um, you know, the fact of the matter is by the time um, Pey- uh, Brady came here and things started to change with Belichick and Brady, um, I... My admiration for this team and what they were building was just incredible. And I became, um, I mean, I, I am a Patriots fan now. You know, I, I don't want to lie about the past. You know, I grew up the way I did. But I, I live in an area in Connecticut where so many Giants fans converted. They converted. And um, so I was a Dolphins fan that converted. So I'm wondering, as you know that this series is going to come out over yeah. the last football season yeah you're watching what's happening with the patriots and the record that they put up sure and the writing was on the wall for a lot of people what was going to happen to bill at the end of the season how do you feel now about this series coming out when the every part of the dynasty except for the Kraft family you kind of look at it through these three lenses of brady belichick and Kraft, and it's not that simple but those are the three main players how do you feel now that another major piece is removed from New England. Uh, you know, it's interesting that you bring that up because when I was writing the book, uh, obviously have no control over things like timing, but the book came out as Tom was starting a new chapter in Tampa Bay. And this, the Patriots dynasty, in my mind, it ended the moment Tom left. Because you define dynasties by teams that when three or more championships together with the same nucleus, when a member of the nucleus leaves, when Joe Montana leaves San Francisco, it's over. doesn't mean they can't start a new dynasty and win more, but the dynasty of the 49ers, that was it. Joe's gone. He built that dynasty. And so when Tom Brady leaves, the dynasty that we all saw in New England with six championships, the, the dynasty ended when Tom left. So now we go, we're now working on the, the docuseries for the next three years, which is this massive undertaking. And the whole time that we're working on it, Bill's still coaching. And that's not really a big part of our story until we have to figure out how to end the docuseries. I'm not going to give the ending away, but we realize as we're making this series that we're going to have to deal with that the same way I realized as a writer in the book, I was going to have to deal with Tom. And so it's fortuitous as storytellers and documentary filmmakers that Bill left when he did. It was kind of perfect timing for what we were doing, selfishly, uh, not necessarily for the team. So can I ask, you don't have to reveal this if you don't want to, but I've heard Bill spoke one time and spoke with you guys before the season started, correct? This wasn't filmed in season last year? That is correct. Okay, We we were filming over a two-year period. But Bill, and, but Bill was one time, and it wasn't. It wasn't like in November last we, year when the writing was on the wall. No, we would never have asked someone with his job responsibilities to, you know, sit with us for a lengthy on-camera interview 
I mean, it was much more professional and appropriate to do that in the offseason. Same thing with players like Devin McCourty, Matthew Slater, when they're playing. I mean, we don't want to – because we're not looking for a five-minute – this is not a quick hit. We're asking for an investment from them on their time, their thoughts. And so we were careful. Now, we're dealing with retired players. It's different. Those are guys we would interview during the season because they're not playing anymore. So Adam Vinatieri, Willie McGinnis, Randy Moss, Teddy Bruschi, Rodney Harrison, Ty Law, Lawyer Malloy, I mean, and on and on and on. Those guys were done in season. Um, so with Bill, and I've not seen everything. I, yeah. I, I, I didn't have a screener. I've seen the first two episodes. But I, I've heard, read, and you can even see it in the first two episodes. Bill does seem different than the other people uh, participating. Like the word I used earlier, he seems stiff. What was your vibe on Bill's uh, willingness to participate and you know be forthcoming in this? I think what you just said is absolutely uh, accurate, and and it was authentic. Uh, he, he he is what you see, and that's what's different about writing a book and making a docu series is there are cameras, and the camera is just trained on one person. It's and it's frankly it's trained on you from the neck up, and so you can look deep into the penetrating eyes of everybody who's on camera. So when Tom's eyes well up you feel it. It's just different. It's different than listening to an audio clip or reading a quote on a page. Um, sometimes the best camera work in a docuseries is when no one's saying anything and you're just staring at the person staring at the camera. And those are some of the best moments in the film. Um, there was some incredible camera work done by our cinematographers and some patience by Matt Hamachek in the interview process where Matt did most of the interviews in the series, not all of them. We had a number of producers who did some interviews. Um, but that hesitancy is what allows the viewer to feel like they're in the room. Did you get the sense that, um, I, I guess I'll just ask this and you, you don't have to respond if you are not able to, was Bill a, a very enthusiastic participant when it came to the docu-series or was it, something where it took a little bit of a while to did you always know he was going to be signed on to it does he look enthusiastic no <laughs> no he does not he does not i guess okay i don't want to say willing participant because he did participate and he sure. sat with you guys and he took the questions and he answered the questions so i did you always know that he was going to be part of the series was there ever a question that he wouldn't be a participant in the series no, i i think you don't know things you you hope and um, the, we we had two years, more than two, well, two years for kind of the filming process. And we needed every bit of that because it takes time to get, it is not easy to get people to do this. It's not like everyone was lined up saying, when can I go? When can I go? <laughs> it's not like that. It, there's well, I know Wiggy was. Wiggy, <laughs> Wiggy, Wiggy is lined up and he'll, he'll still do it. Wiggy will still do it for you. So, I mean... For the most part, it's a it is a lengthy process. The first interview we did for this whole thing was Paul Tagliabue, and he's not even in the series. You know, it there's a process that goes through this, and uh, you it it coalesces. Wait, Good, Goodell? No, Tagliabue. Paul Tagliabue. I'm saying the first interview we did for this whole process was Paul Tagliabue, and he didn't even end up making the cut. I huh. mean, there was uh, there was plenty of people that we interviewed that didn't make it. It's just you go through this process, and I think that 
one of the things that we had on our side was we had time. And so as more and more people here, who else has now gotten on board? And one of the funniest moments, uh, I'll just, I'll share this with you because it's, it's just hilarious. Randy Moss, as you know, doesn't do many interviews. And um, I was thrilled when I got him for the book, but I didn't ever get to actually sit down and talk the way we are face to face. I sent him the questions and he recorded a, a recording on the sideline at halftime of a Monday night football game and sent me a digital card with the, his answers. That That's how I interviewed Randy. It was worked and it, it great, but were we going to get him for this? We didn't know. We didn't know. And then finally we had an agreement from him to sit for like 90 minutes. He came to the studio and he walked in and we were giving him the kind of the background of how it goes and saying to him, you don't have to worry about language. This is not Disney Plus. You can just. It certainly is not, by the way, through uh, the first two episodes. Some good liberal use of <laughs> F-bombs and things like that. Yeah. yeah, it's good. There is a lot of F-bombs. It's authentic, though. This is how everybody is talking because it's not sterilized, which is why it, it's real. And so we were just explaining things like that because they don't know. Like, do we have to say F instead of the word? It's things like that. And also wanted to give them a sense of what some of the other guys had said. And we shared one thing that Julian Edelman had told us about Bill. And we shared that with him just to give him a sense of how open and candid some of the other guys had been. And Randy looked at Matt and I and he goes, he said that? <laughs> and we were like, yeah. And he goes, all right, it's on. Let's go. And he, he gets in the chair, and he was in the chair for like five hours. Wow. Now, is that is and, that more than other subjects, or is that pretty common for what you were talking well, about? Well, it's great for us yeah. if we can get that from someone. But I will just tell you that I walked away from the Randy Moss interview thinking, holy cow, like, this guy didn't need to play football. He, he could have gone to Hollywood. He should have his own show on Netflix for stand-up. He's funnier than anybody that I've watched on television that has a comedy show. And his ability to tell stories is just, I mean, without doing a spoiler, but trust me, when he enters the series, which is in the 07 season, obviously, so you're going to get him in the fourth episode, it's like, holy cow, we've just gone to another level. He, he's going to tell stories that just blow your mind. Okay, Ryan, uh, book Randy Moss if you could. We'll, uh, we'll get, we'll, if, you could, <laughs> if you could get him on the show. Let's, uh, I'm let's, looking right now. We'll, get, we'll get the number from Jeff. So it was, there, was there anybody, and it's Jeff Benedict, the author uh, and executive producer of the Dynasty here on WEEI with Jones and Mego and Arcan. Um, was there anybody who said no? Was there anyone who said no? That's a good question. I'm trying to think. Um, or just ghosted? There, there might have been um, a couple of people outside the organization that said no, but nobody that we thought was really important to get. Like, we did cast the net, and there were a few people that we didn't hear back from. I was like, yeah, whatever. Wiggy. But not within the, well, not, not within the Patriots family. And when I say that, I mean past and former players, coaches, people in their universe, no. Was there someone, like, from another team? Because we do interview some rivals. I think there were a few people we did request interviews with on the outside that played for other teams that didn't, but not anybody that we were like, oh, that's a big bummer. Were there any topics that were off limits? Absolutely not. So the, the only reason I ask is, and I, I, I don't know if it sounds like this broke embargo, uh, but the uh, there was a piece in The Athletic that came out and, and right. looked ahead, and it was about Malcolm Butler, and it sounded like Bill really wasn't willing to go there and maybe had a had 
a working agreement not to go there. There was nothing that was off limits. No working agreements. And just because Bill wasn't willing to go there didn't mean everybody else didn't go there. So we get the answer on Malcolm Butler. So I'm just saying. We're, are we getting just the because, answer? Just because Bill said he wasn't going to talk about that, um, there were no agreements with anybody about what wouldn't be talked about. Because think about it. When you think about, well, what would be the sensitive areas that we don't want to talk about in this documentary? Well, there's Spygate. There's a lot of people that don't want to deal with that. There's Aaron Hernandez. That's a very uncomfortable topic. There's Deflategate. Um, there is the soul-crushing loss to the Giants in the first Super Bowl after the 07 season and why that happened. There's the fact that Malcolm Butler didn't play. Uh, there's the fact that Donald Trump interjected himself into the Patriots organization at a very controversial time. I'm just saying we covered every single one of those things in the series. I, actually, I covered all those things in the book. So it's not, you know, we're, it would be ridiculous to write about it in a book and then do a docuseries and go, well, let's actually let's dance around Spygate. We probably don't want to ask people that because it makes them uncomfortable. That's the reason to ask them about it. So, uh, do you mind sticking around a little bit longer? Sure. Jeff? Okay. So we're gonna we're gonna uh, stick here with Jeff Benedict, the author of the Dynasty, uh, which is on sale. Where can where can people get the Dynasty uh, in book form? Where can they get that now? Everywhere um, that is sold, but we love it when you buy it at independent bookstores. Cause... Okay. Independent bookstores, uh, but wherever you want to get your hands on it. And of course, the first two episodes are dropped on Apple TV. If you haven't seen them, you're missing out. Uh, still eight episodes to go, including Randy Moss's debut, which comes with the uh, seal of approval from Jeff Benedict. Uh, we have more coming up next year on WEI. From the Rubenstein Law Studios, 1 800 BOS Legal. This is WEI. Get Boston Sports Original on the go wherever you go. Just download the Odyssey app. You're listening to Jones and Mako on WEEI. Jones and Mako with Arkan here on WEEI. We're taking you up until 6 o'clock. We have the author and executive producer of The Dynasty, Jeff Benedict. Joining us here in studio, uh, courteous enough to stick around. Now, you're going to be doing the uh, the media rounds. You're on NBC Sports Boston tonight. Yes. With uh, Tommy Curran and Michael Holly. They're going to be breaking this down every Friday. Um, each time the episodes drop, one and two, dropped earlier today or late last night, actually, on Apple TV+. Plus. Uh, you're also going to be with our friend Gary Tangway tonight as well. Yes. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. My, uh, so, ki my kids are pumped because they love Gary. So, <laughs> well, he's, he's who cares about dad? He's like a big Gary Tangway. He's like a big Hollywood guy. Yeah, now. that's he's, why my kids know, are he's, fired up. He's uh, you know, knives out and things like that. That's right. Uh, so I wanted to ask you a a, a variety of things. Sure. And as I was telling you in the break, I, I'm a curmudgeon. I don't like most stuff, but I was eating up the nostalgia of this, and I think it's a good time for Patriots fans because the team was so bad last year, and Bill's gone, and Brady's been gone, and the outlook's a little bleak, and so I think the timing is very good, as you said, for this to be coming out. If you wanted to let listeners know, how much how much new stuff is in it? If there's somebody, a Patriots fan, who's like, well, I've seen Man in the, the Arena, and I've seen the America's Games, yeah. and I've seen Do Your Job, yep. and I've seen Bill Belichick of Football Life. I've right. seen all this Patriots stuff. What What is in this that is new to fans that maybe they haven't seen? So we had access to, you know, roughly 35,000 hours of archival video that had never been, not only had it never been looked at, it had never even been logged. 
I mean, the, the Patriots have been filming internally for 20 years. And so no intern was even like, hey, this is no, like, so-and-so play. No, and so they didn't even know what they had. And so for anyone to say, oh, well, we've seen this and this, actually, no, you haven't because nobody had. And then on top of that, I'm not saying there's not footage in here that people have seen before. Of course there is. But we tried really hard to make the majority of the non-game footage. Not, I'm not talking about the football footage, but everything else. We tried to have a majority of that be original because we wanted people to see things they've never seen before. And then we asked the players oftentimes if they had handheld, you know, the old-fashioned cameras where they were filming stuff. And that's the stuff that when you're watching it, you can tell they filmed it. It was not professionally shot. But that's what makes it so compelling. It's not edited. It's raw. And you're seeing, you know, you're seeing Tom Brady when he was when people hardly knew who he was. So, Me- Mego, this is what you love. This is like the this stuff in Brady's my apartment. favorite part of the first two episodes was yeah. the condo that Brady got from yeah. Ty Law and them going back and forth about, I gave him a break because he's a young guy <laughs> coming up and Brady's going, he ripped me off. He fleeced me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's like, he's the, don't, don't, don't but, let him tell you you got a deal. But the footage of him playing pool with the offensive That's line, right. it's really awesome stuff. No one's ever seen that. If anyone says I've seen that before, they're just not being truthful. That's never been out there. I do want to ask because um, I have seen a little bit of some of the later episodes. Yeah. And I'm very surprised at the candor around some of the difficult subjects that you tackle, including the Aaron Hernandez story. And I I guess I'm just wondering, was there craft uh, sign-off on a final cut? you know, that they looked at? Because I will say that the the crafts do put themselves in situations at different points where I think they're being very honest and it doesn't always paint them in the most attractive light right. where you look at it and go, oh, well, this is a craft production. Right. I think anybody who who tries to frame this as a, you know, as a craft project, and I know people said some similar things like that about my book, that would be news to Simon and Schuster um, and it would be news to Apple TV because if you think about it this series just like the book is filled with things that they'd rather not have people read about and watch I mean there's some really hard subject matter here that if you were controlling the project and you were writing your own narrative that's the stuff you write out if it's a memoir it's your memory you remember it the way you want to remember it, and you control it. The book is not a memoir. I did a memoir with Steve Young. He owns the copyright. It's his book with his name on it, and he, he hired me to write it. That's not what I did with LeBron. That's not what I did with Tiger, and that is not what I did with the Dynasty. If it, if it had been, the Aaron Hernandez story doesn't get covered multiple chapters We don't deal with Donald Trump and all the horrible things he said about African-American players. That stuff wouldn't be in the Patriots version of the book, and it wouldn't be in the series. And I think what, for me, as a storyteller, one of the things that I really appreciated and admired uh, about the Crafts and the Patriots was their willingness to allow the story to go where the story goes. And I think that I think that's why Matt Hamachek was Matt Hamachek would never have signed on to make the series if he didn't have final cut. You know, I mean, 
you can get anyone to come in and make a whatever you want to call it a tribute film right there's plenty of those out there this is not that but however how can you not watch this and come away with just immense respect for what's gone on here for the last 20 years so my this was my fear of this when it was first announced that it sure. was coming out was this is Kraft staking his claim on you know Brady has man in the arena bill has done tons of stuff with nfl films where it gets his brilliance out there sure this was Kraft's answer so this is my fear and i saw the first two this morning and mego made this point like even just on something as simple as Bledsoe and Brady, sure. Kraft does not come across great there. Like, he's like, I wanted Bledsoe. And I made it clear to Bill, if you screw up, I'm going to hold you accountable, which to me means you're getting fired, you're going to lose your job. And so I was fearful of that, and I've been encouraged, you know, in the first two that I've seen. What what sort of credit do you think Robert deserves for the 20 years? Because, like, uh, I, I do, I do uh, kind of look at it and I go... It's Brady. Then I'd get to. I would put Robert at the bottom of that list. Like where, where do you view him fitting into that hierarchy and and being around him? How do you think he views the credit he gets? Does he feel he gets enough credit? That's a great question. There's that you actually asked more than one question. That's there. true. But, that's true. But there's a lot there. That's no, true. but th- all three things you asked are all related to the same person. So I mean, let me just take them one at a time. I'll try to be quick on them. So I think. Here's the here's the first major thing that he does is he hires a coach that no one else thinks is worth hiring. Um, and he gives him the job, and Bill's grateful. Before he coaches his first game in Foxborough, which was against Tampa Bay in 2000, Bill comes in and thanks him for the opportunity to coach his team. And that's when he said, maybe we'll be as successful as these two fellows, Babe Ruth and Ted Williams. Pretty crazy thing for Bill to say, proved to be true. The second thing that Robert does, which is monumental, is he gives Bill the latitude to do something that Robert thinks doesn't make a lot of sense, which is we have a guy here who's considered one of the top quarterbacks in the NFL, and I'm paying him $103 million. Not only that, I just gave him that new contract last year, and by the way, you were the coach at the time, and you were at the press conference with me. What are we doing? And I'm talking about when after uh, Drew is cleared medically to play, and, mm-hmm. and most people assumed he would get his job back, even the players. Ty Law talked about that. Lawyer Malloy, Willie McGinnis, the veterans. The, yeah, all the veterans were shocked that Drew didn't just slide back in, and Drew was shocked. But here's where you get you have to understand how Robert operates. It's a nuance, but it's so important. When Drew goes to see Robert, which, by the way, anybody who had the access to Robert that Drew had would have done the same thing. So no fault of Drew that he goes to the owner and says, hey, this isn't right. Because it really wasn't right, meaning it was abnormal. And what does Robert say? He says, I'll talk to Bill. He doesn't say, I'll twist his arm. He says, I'll talk to him. That's not meddling. When you go to talk to Bill, what does Robert do? He doesn't go tell Bill what he wants. He goes and says, explain to me, what are we doing? And after listening to Bill explain why he wants to stick with Tom, that's where the conversation stopped. Meaning he never says, well, this is what I want. He just says, he hears what he says, 
And if you're around, I had the luxury of being around Robert a lot in the last five years working on these two projects. He's an incredible listener. And a lot of times he's just asking questions and not saying anything. And he does that here. And this is why it's important because when he goes back to Drew, he doesn't tell Drew, I told Bill what I want. He says, after talking to Bill, I don't think it's in your best interest or mine for me to force this issue. I could, but I didn't. But he says I'll hold him accountable. He says I'll hold him accountable. That's a different thing, right? And so Drew doesn't like that answer. And then history proves that Bill was actually right. And so then Robert admits that it really wasn't until the snowball game and then a couple a couple weeks later at the Super Bowl and really that last-minute drive against the Rams. And the moment that Robert talks about is when they made that last drive to set up the Vinatieri kick. It's really that last play when Tom spikes the ball, and it's the way he spikes it. It's not with speed. It's not with urgency. It's like time has stopped, and, and Tom spikes the ball almost like a yo-yo. He comes up, he catches it, and he gently hands it to the ref. And and Robert told me, he said, when I watched that from the box, that's when I knew this guy is different. So, look, uh, we'll leave it there. I know there's a lot we want to cover. There's a lot to get to. Uh, we'll continue to discuss this here today. But, Jeff Benedict, uh, if you don't have your copy of The Dynasty yet, uh, go out and get it. Local bookstores encouraged. Uh, you should watch the first two episodes on Apple TV+. Plus. Watch them tonight on NBC Sports Boston. Uh, Jeff, we really appreciate the time. Thank you so much. Thank you, Thank guys. Thank you, Jeff. Thanks. All right, Jeff Benedict, the author of The Dynasty and executive producer. First two episodes now on Apple TV+. Plus. They drop every Friday over the next month. Uh, we'll get back to your phone calls, 617-779-7937, and we'll relive some of the highlights from The Dynasty. We played these earlier. We'll do more of that coming up next here on Jones and Mega with Arcan on WEEI. You're listening to Jones and Mega on WEEI. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.